right. Well, if you have children uh, that are, oh, man, kindergarten to third grade that are going down to Children's Church, uh, they can dismiss out the back. Um, and then if you have kids that are staying with us, there are activities on that back table. They're free to grab and take back their seat. Uh, there's also a sermon notes uh, designed for them that they can use and fill out during the service and then come and get a piece of candy from me afterwards. So um, that's all I got. So uh, if you'll uh, come up, Don, we'll listen to the word. Thank you. Yeah. Whoop, I'm tearing the carpet up. Uh-oh. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Good to be with you. Am I on okay? Can you hear me okay? I think, I think I'm on. Well, if not, I'll talk loud, okay? That's, that's good. Well, it's good to be back with you. It's always a treat to be with uh, Living Hope Church and uh, enjoy being with you guys. And, and uh, you have such a sweet spirit and uh, just love to be able to share God's word with you. And uh, you're an easy crowd to preach to. Some are not that easy, okay? <laughs> so, but uh, it's, it is uh, exciting to be with you. Let's turn to John chapter 15 this morning and we'll jump right into the word. Uh, Jesus has a message for us here uh, that, that really is life-giving, I think, and energizing uh, as we experience him in a, in a deeper way as he calls us to abide in him. Uh, there's a, an element to this uh, invitation that he has for us that, that, that draws us to him, not because we deserve it, because we could never deserve uh, the, the love and the grace of God, but because he loves us and because of his amazing grace, he, he draws us into a relationship and invites us in uh, to a relationship that, that really gives life. Uh, sometimes in our Christian walk, we, we can tend to become a little bit cold and, and at times we can uh, become a little stale in our faith. But, but there is a walk with Jesus uh, that Jesus calls an abiding life here in John chapter 15 that I think is, is important for each one of us. Let me begin reading at verse 1. In John 15, verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain or abide in me, and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it abides on the vine, so neither can you unless you abide or remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And then if you jump down to verse 8, Jesus says, My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Let's, let's bow together and just welcome God into these moments as he speaks to us, shall we? Father, we do come to you with open hearts. We come to you with minds eager to uh, learn and grow, but we also come with hearts that are submissive to you and and ready to surrender to the message and, and the invitation that you have for us today. Uh, Lord, help us to really begin to come to grips with what it means to abide in Christ. And the life that you have for us, 
that glorifies the Father and, and demonstrates to the world that we are your children, we are your disciples. Father, we pray that today would be a, a moment of transformation in every one of our lives as we abide in Christ. We pray it now in Jesus' name, amen. John 15 is, is one of those really pivotal passages, I think, uh, from God's Word that, that really has the potential uh, to, to rock our world. Uh, I kind of like that idea, rocking your world, you know. That seems, I guess that's like groovy, you know, that's an old one, isn't it? But, but really, we need that occasionally, don't we? We need God to grab a hold of us and, and, and shake us to the point of, of experiencing Him in a new and an exciting way. Uh, I've, I've heard, and I know you've heard John chapter 15 preached probably many times, and, and, and sometimes when, when we hear it preached and taught, uh, sometimes it can lose its impact on our lives. We, we go, oh, well, the preacher's going to preach on John 15 again, abiding in Christ. Well, we know what that's all about. But, but I think this message that Jesus shares with us here in John 15 really really ought to grab us by the heart and, and reawaken us to the potential that's ours in Christ. I, I think it ought to realign us into the purpose of God for really why we are here, why, why we exist. He could have saved us and taken us to heaven in a heartbeat, but he chose to leave us here with purpose. And, and I think what Jesus shares with us here in John 15 helps us to realign but I also think it re-energizes us with the power uh, of the living Christ, living in us, but also living through us. Now, Jesus shared these words just hours before his death. Uh, Jesus was, was having that final conversation with, with his closest disciples. And that meant this had to be an important conversation. Over the years, as a pastor, I've sat with many people in those last moments of life. And I've noticed something in those last moments when they know death is close, uh, they begin talking to family and friends and they don't share inconsequential things. They don't talk about what they had for breakfast that day. You know, they, they don't talk about the weather. They, they begin to share things in that final conversation that really have potential, again, to rock our world. And that's what Jesus does here in John chapter 15. Jesus had revealed to the disciples time and again that he was traveling to Jerusalem where he would lose his life for them that salvation may come. Now, they didn't have a clue what that was all about. We know that. Uh, they, they didn't understand completely what Jesus was saying, but, but they had heard him say, I'm going to die. And it was a shocking message for them. But now as, as Jesus began sharing this message here in John chapter 15, uh, he's, he's really saying to them, I'm soon going to go. I'm going to die. But I want you to now abide in me. And I can almost hear the disciples go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I, I don't understand. You say you're going to go. You say you're going to die, but you're calling us to abide in you. What is that all about? How do we abide in you if you're going to die? What they didn't understand was that even though he would die for the sins of the world, 
that he would be raised again to new life, walk among them, and ultimately be ascending into heaven where he would intercede for them and then send his Holy Spirit. In other words, he would come on Pentecost. He would come in the form of the Holy Spirit and indwell every believer. And in dwelling those believers, uh, they would discover a new, new walk, a new life that they had never experienced before. A life that would empower them, a life that would make them whole, a life that would fill, fill them and satisfy them, a life that, that would bring them into new energy as they studied the Word of God, a new excitement as they prayed. It would enable them to, to witness and share the good news in a way that would impact the world and turn that world upside down. They would, they would walk in a new life energy that they had never experienced before. And Jesus was saying to them and saying to us, if you really want to find real life, then be tapped into the vine. Abide in me. Jesus in his human presence would soon depart, soon die, crucified on a Roman cross for the sins of the world. He would be raised, ascend to heaven, come in the form of the Holy Spirit and take up residence in every believer's heart in life. That means in your heart in life as well, my heart in life. In the, in the Holy Spirit, he would take up residence and the disciples uh, from that point on would face opposition and persecution. They would face temptation. They, they would be entrenched in spiritual warfare. Does this sound familiar? Because that's what we experience, isn't it, in our Christian life? We're constantly facing temptations, constantly uh, in, in opposition to this world, constantly facing moments where we have to make that decision to walk in victory or walk in the flesh. But Jesus is saying to them, if you want to know real life, then you'll abide in me. They would live out all of the challenges of the Christian life, but now they would do it with the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, the presence of Jesus in their life, abiding in him. And what was true of them is, is true for you and I today. Even if we feel like we're ordinary and average uh, men and women, you know, it's an amazing thing. God loves to use ordinary, average men and women for his glory. Have you noticed that? He, he, he can use Balaam's donkey if he wants to. Certainly he can use you and I, but he uses average, ordinary men and women to turn the world upside down. He loves to do the extraordinary through the ordinary so that he gets the praise and the glory for it and draws others to himself. And Jesus is reminding the disciples, just as he's reminding us, that that kind of life comes as we are abiding in him. Now, the very fact that Jesus chose this critical moment, remember, these were some of the last words that he would share with his disciples. And the very fact that Jesus chose this critical moment to share this important challenge of abiding in Christ tells us something. The abiding life is not the normal life. And that's a message that we need to understand as well. Uh, too many of us have found life in Christ, and, and we're heaven-bound. We know that one day we'll be with him in glory, but, but the life that we're living today oftentimes is not an abiding life. 
We sometimes go through the motions but lack real life. We say the right words, but they don't always have the meaning that's deep in our heart. Uh, Life in Christ is a wonderful, special, exciting, miraculous thing, but often we miss much of the miracle of that because we're not abiding in Christ. They needed to hear the challenge. We need to hear the challenge because close without connection is never close enough. There is a connection that God wants to bring into our lives, your life, my life, that that causes us to enjoy the the abiding experience. Now, we're going to talk more about that, but but before we talk more about the the abiding life, we really need to talk a little bit about the source of of lifelessness. Uh, The source of lifelessness. The sad truth is, as we've already said, the, the abiding life isn't the norm. And I have to admit to you that, that a lot of the preaching I hear from pulpits today, don't, don't mean to be critical, but I guess I am going to be a little bit critical, because a lot of the preaching I hear from many pulpits today is, is not about the abiding life of Christ, but it's more about what you need to do harder with more effort, with more passion. It, it's more of a, a works challenge, more of a works uh, preaching that, that we hear so often. Um, we hear pastors talk about you need to try harder and do more. Have you ever heard that? I know you don't hear that from Rondi, uh, but, but you've heard that. I hear it a lot on TV. I hear it a lot on the radio. I hear it a lot. You need to just work harder. You need to more, have more passion. You need to just get serious about living for Jesus. Read your Bible more. Pray more. Now, you need to read your Bible more. You need to pray more. So uh, don't hear me wrong here. But, but oftentimes what we hear from the pulpit is you just need to be more committed and then your life will, will be more Christ-like. But if the truth be told, you can work harder. You can do more. You can try and uh, somehow manage to work up a deeper passion. You can, you can try to have a deeper commitment. But it's all about you and I trying. It's not about us abiding in Christ. And as you and I try harder, we fail time and time again. When the message is work harder, just be more intimate in your walk with Jesus. You need to do it. You, 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 you. Suddenly we find ourselves in in the flesh with human effort. And you and I just honestly can't do it. We're told we just uh, need to learn the right spiritual truths and and apply them to our lives, and then it's all going to work out. But Jesus said we're to uh, abide in Christ. We're told oftentimes we need to just work harder, more spiritual perspiration. We just need to put in more effort, and we'll be like Jesus. But Jesus said, abide in me. You see the difference in the message? One is a message of grace and hope. And the other is a message of works. And my friend, works is not the gospel. The truth is, I I guess I'll bear my soul a little bit here, but the truth is I need the grace of God as much today as I did the first day I ever found him. Amen? I need his grace and mercy and goodness as much today as I ever have in my life. And it's not about me working harder, it's about me abiding in Christ. 
Now, you need to work hard, you know. But you work hard because you're abiding in Christ. You need to read your Bible. But you read your Bible with passion and excitement because you're abiding in Christ. You need to pray more. Yes, absolutely. But, but we pray more when, when our hearts are so in tune with Jesus that, that we're walking with him intimately every moment of every day. We're abiding in Christ. And that abiding in him creates the grace zone that, that, that ena- enables you and I to live out the life of Christ before a lost world. Every person that I've ever met who was trying hard to live for Jesus, if they were honest, would come to the point where they ultimately said, it's an impossible thing for me to do. You and I trying to be like Jesus through through our determined effort, through our vigorous attempts, through our personal righteousness, it's an impossible thing. It's not something you and I can do apart from Christ. It's it's that connection of abiding in him that connects us to all that we need to to be what God has called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. The answer is found not in learning more about him, but knowing him. Really knowing him. Carol and I, my wife and I, have been married uh, 49 years this June. And, and I can tell you that I love her more now than the day I, I said I do. I thought I loved her then. <laughs> but I've discovered over the years that that love grows. Amen? And, and it grows not because she's perfect and not because I'm perfect. And she will tell you quickly that I'm not perfect. But, but, but it's, it's, a, it's a growing love from experiencing and knowing one another. I don't want to just know about her. I, I, you know, I don't want to just look at her picture and say, oh, there's Carol, my wife. I, I want to experience her every moment of every day. And in that experience of walking out life with her, abiding together in that marriage relationship, there's a love and a grace between us that grows and enables us uh, to, to love each other even more completely. And that's true with Jesus as well. We're changed into his image as we walk with him every moment of every day. And it changes our heart motives. It changes why we do things. We live for him. We work for him because of his love and his goodness in our lives. And it becomes a natural thing. Change comes not because we're shamed into change, not because the preacher said we had to to change, but but genuine change comes as we walk in that abiding relationship with Jesus, and, and, and it makes all the difference in the world. It's in that abiding relationship that we find the power to change. We find the motivation to change. Everything is found in Jesus as we abide in him. His life in us for salvation and him living out his life through us for his honor and for his glory. Oh, you know, Jesus didn't come uh, to give us a new morality. He didn't come to make us good ethical people. He, he came into this world not so that we could keep all the Bible rules and regulations. He came into this world to give us life. Amen? Real life. 
And friends, when we tap into the vine, when we're abiding in him, it changes everything. You will live morally. You will live ethically. Because when you're tapped into the vine, he, he moves in our hearts and lives and changes us from the inside out and makes us all that he's created us to be. He didn't come to make good people live better. He came to give dead people real life, his life, the life that we were created to enjoy. And as a Christian, you and I uh, enjoy God's eternal life in us and then lived out through us as he works out his life in us and through us. He lives in you, and, in, and that in you experience is the abiding experience. And by connecting to the vine, folks, we, we discover that he is enough. Amen? He is enough and more than enough. And he empowers us to use uh, everything that he has given us in life uh, to, to his honor and to his glory. And we bear not just some fruit, not just a lot of fruit, but much fruit, Jesus says. He is the source of our true life. Life for us is found in Jesus. Now, if, if we're going to understand and, and really, really abide in Christ, I think it's important for us to look at a few passages of Scripture that, that show us what the source of life was for Jesus as he walked on this earth, okay? So picture in your mind Jesus, the, the Son of God, on this earth, living out those 33 years of life. How did Jesus live the perfect life? And we know he did. He lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live so that he could give it to us, or give it to us as we place our faith in him. How did he live that kind of life? How could he face the cross as the Savior of the world. How could he live that kind of life? Because he was abiding in the Father. Now pick up your Bible. We're going to look at a couple of passages of, of Scripture fairly quickly. But I want you to catch this. Look at John chapter 5, if you would. John chapter 5, look at verses 18 and 19. Jesus had healed a lame man on the Sabbath by the pool of Bethsaida near the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. And, and the religious leaders, the preachers and the deacons of that day, uh, didn't like it, and they went on the attack. And in John chapter 5, verse 18, this was why the Jews were, were seeking all the more to kill him, because, they not because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Now listen to that next chapter, next verse, excuse me, verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. You know what Jesus was describing there? He was describing an abiding relationship. He said, the son doesn't do anything apart from the father. It's the father at work in me, Jesus is saying, that, that, that energizes me to live the life that he's called me to live. Now, that's a truth that, that I think every believer has to come to grips with at some point in their Christian, excuse me, Christian walk. 
It's kind of a startling thing to understand, but it's important for us to understand. Jesus was fully God. Amen? Okay, we got that. Jesus was fully God. But he chose as fully God to come into this world as fully man. Amen? He was fully man and fully God. Now, that we don't have time to explain that one. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but just take it. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. I am fully God, but I am also fully man. And as I choose to come into this world fully man to be the Savior of the world, I choose to abide in the Father. As he chose to live out his relationship with the Father, all of the miracles he did were energized by the Father in him. As man, who was God, the Father in him, he was now preaching the word, and that word was energized. People were were marveling at his authority and the words that he shared because the Father was sharing those words in him and through him. The spiritual power that he demonstrated, it was demonstrated because of the Father's power at work in his life. Jesus, the Son of God, fully God but fully man, chose to live in such a way that he was abiding in the Father, and the Father was able to work the miracles, share the message, uh, share the wisdom, uh, love and accept sinners. Jesus was able to do all of that because of the Father's abiding presence in him. Jesus lived his life on earth the same way that God the Father desires for you and I to live our life on earth as well. Please, please catch that. Let me say it again. He lived his life on this earth just as as the Father wants us to live our life on this earth, and that is abiding in Christ. Everything you and I need as believers in Christ, we find as we abide in him. It's not your effort, it's not your work, it's not your good looks, it's not your intelligence, it's not your great wisdom. It It is God at work through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as we are abiding in him, we see God do amazing things. Abiding in Christ. Now that may startle you that Jesus was subservient to the Father, allowed the Father to live in him and through him the the purpose and plan of salvation, but that's exactly what happened, and that's exactly what God wants to do in your life and my life as we surrender to him. Let's look a little farther. Again, verse 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. What does that mean? means the son can do nothing of his own accord, doesn't that what it, isn't that what it means? He's saying, God is at work in me, and it's the father, not me. But only what he sees the father doing, for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. In other words, in my flesh, I'm powerless. But with the father in me, the impossible is a reality every day. You and I can say the same thing. Now, we're not Jesus. We're not the son of God. But we're one of his children. And he's calling us into a relationship of abiding love where we are attuned to him, where we are connected to him, where we are subservient and surrendered to him to the point that he is able not only to give us life, but to live that life through us every moment of every day. Look at John chapter 5, verse 30. Jump a little farther down in that chapter. John chapter 5, verse 30. 
Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. Now, what does that mean? I can do nothing on my own. Isn't that what it says? And that's exactly what he means and what he means for you and I. There's nothing that we can do on our own. Our flesh will always fail us. But the presence of God within us empowers us and energizes us and, and enables us to be all that God has called us to be. Jump back a little farther in John to John chapter 8, verses, eight, or verses 28. John 8, 28. John 8, 28. Jesus said, so Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. Jump to John chapter 12, verse 49. John 12, 49. I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. In other words, the Father was speaking through him. Jump to John 14, verse 10. John 14, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That's abiding. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus didn't live his, his own natural life in his own natural human strength. Instead, he lived it in the power of the Father. It was the relationship he had with the Father that energized everything that God had called him to be. And that is just as true for you and I. You see, he spoke when the Father was speaking through him. He, he acted out the will of God as the Father acted that will out in him. He worked when and where the Father uh, chose and directed him. He, 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 he changed lives and changed uh, circumstances and did miracles because the Father energized him to do just that. He loved sinners and accepted sinners. He extended grace. He offered mercy and forgiveness because of the Father's love of sinners and offer of mercy and grace. You see, Jesus, God in the flesh, the perfect man, lived the perfect life. He lived the life that we were created to live, but because of our sin sickness, we, we, we failed to live. But he, he lived it in the power of the Father, bearing the, physical, the spiritual fruit, excuse me, spiritual fruit, to the glory of God. You see, what the Father was in Jesus, Jesus wants to be in you and in me. That power is available to us. Let, let's tie a loop in all of this and, and, and find some application in what we've been looking at here this morning because I think we need to understand that Jesus is the source of life for us. What does this all mean for you and I just ordinary, average believers who have confessed Jesus as Savior, repented of our sin, offered him our lives, we're surrendered to him now. What does that mean for us? Again, it means the Father, what the Father was to Jesus, Jesus wants to be for you and I. As the Father lived in him and enabled him to live out that life and ultimately be the Savior of the world, now he wants to energize us 
to be a witness for him, for his glory. Inviting you and I to abide in him, to choose to remain connected to his life, close to him, close to his power, close to the fruit-bearing source that, that, that he offers us. And, and friends, the <laughs> it demands that we come to the end of ourselves and truly abide in him. There's a lot of people trying to live the Christian life, kind of like the, the Pharisees were in, in the New Testament. Uh, they, they were trying to keep the rules and regulations. They were trying to live a good life to the glory of God. And there's a lot of good to be seen in the Pharisees, but, but Jesus called their righteousness self-righteousness because they were not abiding. They were doing it in the flesh. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus said, For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. He's calling us to abide in him, to allow him to be our power source, to, to allow him to be our strength, to allow him to be our life. It's one thing to work for God, uh, like the Pharisees did in the flesh. It's another thing to work with God, but it's even more exciting to be abiding in Christ. It's more meaningful and fruitful when we allow him to suddenly begin to do his work through us. Not working for him, not just working with him, but now allowing him to do the Christian life through us. Tur turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Important passage of scripture. Remember, we're tying a loop in all of this. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, please turn there if you have your Bible. Paul really explains to us what the, the abiding life is about here in, in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians 3, verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. Now, how will we be strengthened with power? Follow along. Through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and, and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever Amen. What Paul was describing there is the abiding life. Knowing the riches of God's glory, knowing the strength of his power, experience the fullness of God at work in us, and as a result of that, knowing God to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. Another verse that's an important one is Philippians 4.13. You know that one, I'm sure you do. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because of the abiding relationship that Paul had with Christ, he could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul 
said, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly by my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What a testimony Paul had. And what a testimony we have as we are abiding in Christ. Choosing to abide is no small step. Uh, It's no small step for any believer. It's a moment when we uh, will, will, will... surrender to him in such a way that our lives are 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 totally revolutionized spiritually it's a it's a daily decision that we make but it's a daily decision to surrender to him and it's a choice to recognize that he is lord of our lives and and walk into an intimate vital connection every moment of every day it's a choice to surrender to him as the one who is in control who has taken up residence within us It's a choice to to understand that he is the vine and the father is the vine dresser and we just need to be tapped into him. Because when we're tapped into him, we become Jesus-focused, don't we? Amen? We we focus on him and he becomes uh, so important in our lives that that he's able to become our centering point where everything is anchored in uh, to him and the life that he has called us to. We become Jesus-defined. We, we know ourselves and our identity based upon the Word of God and, and the, the living Christ uh, at work in our lives. And, and we know the direction of our life and the purpose of our life and the meaning of our life because we are following closely the risen Lord. Jesus led as well as, as He, instead of we, order our steps and, and allow Him to guide us through His sovereign will and purpose in our lives. In Jesus fruitful because now suddenly because of our surrender and our closeness and our connection with him uh, the, the the grapes begin to to grow in our lives the fruit begins to be born it, it's like the the grapevine that bears grapes they you know grapes don't don't a grapevine doesn't doesn't bear grapes because it should it, it doesn't bear grapes because it's shamed into it it doesn't bear grapes because it's the right thing to do. You know, a vine bears grapes because it's the natural outcome of being tapped into the vine. That's what God wants to do in your life and mine. Abiding in him allows the natural work of God to do all that he wants us to do. And it brings peace with God. It brings alignment with his purpose for our lives. It it brings attunement of the heart where, where we are hearing his voice and, and suddenly we're thinking his thoughts and loving as he loved and, and, and sharing the wisdom of the, of, of the spirit, uh, the direction of God, the passion of God, the goodness of God. And life takes on a whole new complexion. Again, we're back to that idea of, of God rocking our world <laughs> because of the connection that we have with him. But you know, that that connection is not offered to everybody. I want you to to understand that Jesus was talking to his disciples. And friend, this morning, if you're here and and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you may be a good person. Uh, You you, you may have a lot of things going for you, but until you know Jesus, the Word of God says you're lost in your sins and trespasses. You're dead in your sins and trespasses spiritually. But you don't have to be that way. 
His resurrected life is offered to every man, woman, and child. The life of salvation is offered to everyone if we'll simply come to the end of ourselves and confess our sins and welcome him into our lives. And welcoming him in brings the opportunity of abiding in Christ. But again, remember, Jesus was sharing this with his disciples. Those that were the closest to him, that knew him intimately, they they had walked with him for three and a half years. They had watched him do miracles. They had heard the, the, the preaching and the sermons that Jesus gave. And, and, and yet, every one of them needed the call to abiding. The, the, the call to decision where, where they would surrender completely to him. And again, that's a decision we make day in and day out. But it's a decision that, that allows us to trade our spiritual poverty for his wealth. To know the, the fullness that God has for us. To trade our, our weakness for, for his strength as he have accomplishes what he wants to do through our surrender in our lives. We exchange the bankruptcy of the fallen Adam for the fullness of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. We, we discover the sheer adventure of walking with him every day in, in closeness and attuned to him in that abiding life. The Christian life is not, not something that, that we do. It's something that he does in us and through us. And as we surrender to that abiding life, my friend, it changes everything. I, I hope that this morning you are a believer in Christ. If you're not, please don't leave here today without talking to Rondi or me or someone about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior. But I think most of us, have made that decision here this morning. And most of us just need to be reminded that God is calling us to an abiding relationship. That doesn't mean distance, that means personal. That doesn't mean resistance, that means surrender. That doesn't mean that we do our thing our way with our will. It means surrendering to his will and his purpose. Listen again to what Jesus said in that 15th chapter. He said, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it may produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. For as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you Remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's bow together, just for a few moments. I think God is really speaking to our hearts this morning and revealing some things that are important. And this is a time where you can commit to him. A time when you can reach out to the intimacy that he offers you this morning. Is that something you want? Is that something that is your heart's desire? You, you want to know him and experience him in completeness. Surrender to him this morning. Ask him for that intimacy. Many of us, I think, live the Christian life thinking that we're going to overcome and only discover again and again that we failed. 
but there is a strength for you. There is a power source for you this morning, and, and it's found in abiding with him. It's found in Christ in you, the hope of glory. It, it's God at work in your life. His strength is enough. He is enough. Will you reach out to that strength this morning? It's an amazing thing when you realize that nothing can separate you from him, not even death itself. Even your sin can be repented of, and he'll forgive and restore God's love and is, a, is an amazing, amazing thing. My friend, he wants to, you to experience that spiritual benefit. It comes as you walk in his love. He wants you to know that, that deeper purpose, that fuller joy, that discovery of all that you were intended to be. To know his closeness and his affection. To enjoy a life of trust and obedience. Significance, meaning. He is enough, my friend. If you'll abide in him, commit to him this morning. And allow him to do that work in you. Father, this morning, we come to you humbly because we, we know our sin. We know our lives. Father, we are far, far from where we need to be. But, Father, you keep calling us on. You don't give up on us. You don't turn your back on us. You reach out to us to draw us to where we need to be. And we're so grateful that you don't give up on us. But, Lord, this morning we commit anew to abide in Christ. We commit anew to allow you to be the Lord of our lives, the power source, the fruit source. Father, do what only you can do as we humble ourselves before you and allow you, Father, to do a work of re revitalization in our hearts and in our lives. Father, whatever stands in the way, whatever barrier may be there, Lord, I pray that you would, you would tear it down. Just take away every excuse that we have and we've used. And, and Lord, as you do that, just help us to understand how much you love us and how much you want us to be close to you. Father, create that desire in us. And may your grace just cause us to want to change and to walk closer with you. Lord, do what only you can do in our hearts and lives this morning. We, we have many testimonies of our failure, but Lord, we know that you are enough. You have all that we need and more. You are all that we need and more. Lord, today... May we commit anew to abide in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Randy? All right. Thank you, John. Don. Um, I always love that passage. I just love the imagery of like uh, what the vine is is what it will produce. Like a grapevine is not going to produce watermelons. It's not going to produce avocados or zucchini. It's always going to produce grapes. And so if we want to look like Jesus, we have to be in relationship with him and walking with him. But you guys don't need a second sermon, so I'll be quiet. Um, if you are new to Living Hope Church, there should be a welcome card. It looks like this somewhere in the area of you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind filling that out and placing it, there's a wood box on that back table. We would appreciate it. Also, we can place your tithes and offerings if you consider this your church home. Uh, in terms of announcements, we have small group Bible study, which meets uh, tonight here at the church from 6 to 7. If you have questions about that, you can come and see me. Uh, we have Kids Night and Youth Group uh, that meets at the church on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7. Um, if you have uh, questions, come see me, and I'll point you to the right place. 
Um, worship team, we're always looking for uh, help with worship team. So if you're interested in that, um, come see me. I'll point you in the right direction as well. Um, also on the back, there's different dates for this summer. Uh, if you have questions about those, uh, let us know, and we'll get you some more information. So uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you to Don for being here. Uh, we pray and hope you have a great week, and we hope to see you again next week. You are dismissed.